Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery are purveyors of beautiful non-alcoholic beverages. Live on your own terms, be true to you, and drink what's good for your body and soul. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the studio, our last episode for 2022. I thought who better to close it with and also for a little update of her journey so far, as promised, the gorgeous, the wonderful, the extremely long-legged Mandy Nolan. Hi, Mandy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm very well. It's funny. It's, I was just actually thinking when you said that, is that that's that wheel, really weird. Remember that saying for when you're really drunk? It's called being legless. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is you're either off your tits, you're legless. I kind of like those. Those sayings are kind of great, aren't they? Yeah. Where are all the body parts going? I know. They're leaving. <laughs> 
They're um, quitting. Yeah, they've done. They are yeah, done. Well, well, yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, thank you. So how's it going? Were you still sober, I'm assuming? Yeah, I'm still hanging in there. Hanging in there. It's, uh, I don't know, five months or so, maybe five and a half months. Wow. I'm terrible at counting the days. Mm. Which is kind of a good sign, I think, when you forget to count and you go, oh, sometimes I counted the other day and I kept saying three months and I realised I was at least five. Yeah, that's amazing. And I went, oh, that's gone really quickly. I'm actually feeling really good. It's weird because it's summer and it's Christmas. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's a hard time for a lot of people. Would yeah. usually be a hard time for me mm-hmm. because I have all my family home and like I'm, all my kids come home and my kids drink. Um, and when I say that, they're not like 13 or they're like 27, <laughs> 26, you know, mm. 21, 23. And it's, it's really nice to have a drink with your kids or it used to be. Mm. And now I'll be the, non, I'll be the non-drinking mum. Mm. It's also nice not to drink with your kids too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's. That's good. Yeah, so I'm I think I'm doing okay. I've I'm feeling um pretty positive about it all. So That's great. So what's Christmas going to look like for you then? And how would it look normally and how's it gonna look for you this year? Well I, I did something different this year where all my kids come home, so they're they live in Melbourne and Brisbane and uh, uh, surrounds and um they all come home, so I always have all my kids at home. And generally, I'd have my ex-husband over. Um, wow. <laughs> How civilised of you. No. So, and, you know, just so we can have lunch or something. And I'd have a few friends, you know, sometimes other family members. And, you know, that that would be generally what I'd do. And I would cook most of the day. I, I'm not one of those people that starts, like some people start the day with a glass of champagne on Christmas Day and I, I just never, like I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I might start drinking at about midday or in the afternoon because you do get an early drinking mark on Christmas Day. <laughs> people start drinking and it, you start drinking because you're doing the long lunch preparation. Mm-hmm. True, Lead. true. Yeah, and I would usually be doing that. I'd, be in, I'd do the presents and then we'd be in the kitchen. I'd make a nice breakfast, kind of chill out and then start doing, well, it's not really lunch. It's usually in the evening, like five or six o'clock. And then now. Oh, you do a late lunch type thing? Yeah, I do a late lunch. Do you do the big roast? Yeah, like I'll roast mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'll do a turkey. Um, I mean, I'm not really that traditional. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we'll just do... Yummy food, but we'll try and do stuff that's a bit, yeah, a bit Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had vegans. I always have vegans and vegetarians and gluten free people, like most people do these days. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of innovate what you're putting out. So it's, and usually as the mum, I'm just like in the kitchen all day, and I fucking hate it. Like <laughs> it's miserable. Everyone else is having a really nice day, and people keep coming up to me going. When are we eating? I'm really hungry. And I'm like, well, you could help me. And, like, they'll do one thing and then they just disappear. <laughs> so that is backed on after I've, like, I've just done it again. I've spent, you know, Christmas shopping for, the, you know, all my family and you know, et cetera. And I probably spent about two and a half grand, which, yeah, and it's, it's not like I've bought a huge amount. I've got five kids, you know, so you kind of go, you know, buying bits and pieces. And they're always like, thank you, that's lovely. But no one's ever like... 
you know, when you break all that expenditure across your family and your parents and your cousins and your whatever's that you buy for, it's very unimpressive. But you're going, that cost me so much money. Now I want to fucking yeah, drink. Yeah, anyway. I, yeah, so then, <laughs> so what I've decided to do, uh, every year I go, I'm not buying anyone anything, but I love buying people presents. Mm-hmm. So it goes against my belief system about stuff. My daughter... Ivy, who's so cute, the 13-year-old. She goes, Mom, next year, can we just have a Christmas where we make everything for each other? Oh, I love that. One of my friends does that. They do a Kris Kringle yeah. where they make things. And I think that's so it's cool. It's really sweet. Yeah, it's really nice. We've done – I've done Vinny's Christmases, which I like, which goes – I love that. You can only spend 50 bucks at Vinny's and get everything for people under the cost of 50 bucks, which isn't many things at Vinny's because even that's expensive. But I love doing that. Like it's you find it, you scrounge it. You you do whatever, and that's been one of the funniest Christmases I've ever had. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really cool because the presents were so shit, and some were kind of <laughs> good, and like it was just funny. Like it was, yeah, it was really fun. Anyway, so this year I booked. Um, I decided to move change. I think changing on it. The idea of being in the house all day cooking, and they'd all be all my family would be drinking, mm. and I'd just be doing all the work. That's not appealing. Mm. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, look at me sober, cleaning up and cooking and doing everything and talking to drunk people. So I booked a restaurant in Byron and oh, nice. I get to be the designated driver. I've got another friend coming and she doesn't drink either. Um, so there's a few of us that don't drink. Fantastic. And we'll drive the drunks. We'll drive the drinkers and we'll go have lunch at a, like, I've paid, so it's like a three or four course meal. I love doing that. That's such a nice And then we'll go for after we're lunch. It's a late sitting at three till five and then we'll go down to the beach and swim. How oh, nice is that? How civilised. Yeah. That's so lovely. I love that. I love that. So last week we had on the people, like a, a few people from our graduates group and they all gave their different ideas of how mm. to get through Christmas and Christmas parties and all the rest of it. I think that's brilliant. If you know that you're going to get the shits with having to be the only one there cooking and doing all the work and, yeah, why not? Just book. Absolutely, because I just went, oh, this isn't going to be fun and I'm going to be doing – and then I'll be the one walking around picking up everyone's stuff and everyone yeah. will be smoking yeah, and I'll be getting really cranky and I just went, no, I'm just going to do something different. So I, I don't have to clean up. That was part of it. I don't – because you know what? It's nothing worse than being sober and sulking <laughs> at the same time, yes. like feeling sulky. And you don't want to be – I don't want my family going, oh, my God, mum stopped drinking. She's awful now. Like they yeah. should actually get to enjoy my me by not me not sulking about how hard I have to work. Yeah, Was it you talking about your granddad that was the dry drunk? Or yeah, your dad? The one, yeah, he's the one that didn't speak for 40 years. That's right. You don't want to be that guy. No, I don't want to be that dude. <laughs> yeah, I forget. It's genetic. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to be that sulky dude. So, yeah, I'm really... I'm looking forward to it. Lucky, I, I'm like I haven't really. I'm going to a family Christmas of my husband's down in the Central Coast on the weekend, and look, they'll all be drinking. But um, do your yeah. in-laws drive you to drink or no? No, they look. They're really lovely. Mm, they're actually good. fantastic. They're kind of a really great family. But, you know, it's always a good. It's a good sign when you really like your partner's family. Mm. Like they're intelligent and and switched on and well they've you know they've had interesting if they're not working now they've had interesting jobs or 
you know, they're real get out and do it sort of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, they're, they're great. It sounds like you've got this whole thing dialed because for so many people, just being around family, being around in-laws yeah. can be so like triggering for some for some people. But it sounds like I'm all's good. well I'm in the um, I'm really good. Mm. I've got my uh, – and then I'll have other – then people just start – you know, it's like Christmas. People – Christmas really goes for a couple of weeks and it's when people kind of drop in on you and they always bring a bottle of alcohol, which mm. is fine, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. I'll just kind of – um, I think having stuff ready is really good. I've found some really great, you know, these really lovely drinks, which I think you probably have, which are those rosemary and something lemonade and really nice little things that are kind of taste a bit like um, something you'd have one or two of they feel a bit special. Like yeah. I think it's good to have that stuff ready. Like yep. so you can look forward to having something that's tasty and drink it slowly like you're, you're actually, you know, drinking you know so you can not feel like you're not part of it yeah yeah, absolutely yep um because I think I'm I'm really good I was actually I was just saying to someone the other day this is I found this really easy this time like Mm. there's a few struggles not struggles but there's a few moments where I go hmm I could have a drink and I realize you know if you if you start drinking again it, it happens really quickly Mm. you just go, oh, I'm fine. It's that moment where your brain snaps, you have a brain fart and it goes, you can have a drink, you can have this one, you earned it. Like mm. you've done so well. Yeah. You can have one now. It is, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. You can have one and then go back to not drinking tomorrow. Yeah. And I've done that so many times before and I know that it doesn't work like that. You That's know, right. You mm-hmm. don't go back to not drinking tomorrow and you forget how hard it is to find that mind space. Mm of stopping like it, that it didn't just turn up mm-hmm. when you wanted it to mm. it, it it was something that you know when it presented itself if you didn't take it it disappears like it, it'll it'll go so mm. um i'm i'm sort of aware of that and i'm sort of yeah i think i'd be really disappointed you have i haven't had any dream i used to dream when i stopped drinking for three years i used to dream that i'd drunk mm-hmm and then I'd wake up going, oh, thank God I'm still sober. I actually had one recently. It's so Did funny you? because I, I used to have a lot in the first year that I quit. And then I hadn't had one for years and actually had one recently. I thought, oh, that's strange. What did you drink in your dream? I can't remember. I think it might have been cocktails. And then I think I dropped a couple of Eckies as <sighs> well. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to tell Lyndall? And I had to get on to a group call that night. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to tell everyone in my groups that... I've gone and done this and oh, I was so relieved when I woke up. I was like, oh, my God, thank God. And um, it's an interesting one. But I always think they're great because they're that relief you feel when you wake oh, up. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow. Yes, it was just a dream. That's so fantastic. I'm still good. I'm, I'm still good. So tell me, what have you found this time round? Has there been any, like you said, there's been a, a couple of triggering times. Has there anything that you've found since we last spoke Anything that was a bit tough or anything you had to kind of get your head around and how you did it? I think I've got a few friends that I've seen that they're the people I would always drink with and that that's a bit hard and because you can't – they go, oh, my God, you're so amazing. It's so glad, great that you're doing that. And then they just look a little bit disappointed. Uh, and how did you of, feel when that happened? I do feel a bit like, oh. And mm-hmm. it is true. I don't stay up as late. 
Mm-hmm. I'll go to bed earlier or I'll go, oh, no, I don't feel like going there. So you do tend to, you know, not do some of the things you would have done normally. So that that's kind of, you feel get a little bit of FOMO, like oh, I'm missing out, you know, or I feel like I'm, you know, I'm sitting on the, I'm on the bench. I've been benched. Yeah. And do you feel like you have to sort of um, make up for it? I know I did at the start, like yeah. I'd be really loud or trying to, to kind of still be the same way so no one felt too disappointed. Yeah. I've let go of that now. Have you found that or you're just I happy to? I done that. I, I've mm. done that in the past, but I definitely haven't done that mm-hmm. this time. Yep. That's I'm great. sort of, like I've just been on tour in Sydney um, performing at the comedy store. And, you know, because when I was there, like the bar manager, as soon as I turned up, he just goes straight to the bar and pours a glass of wine. I went, oh, I'm not drinking anymore. He goes, wow. And. You know, they don't make a big deal about it. But mm. I realised when my God, he says hello and goes straight to the bar. Good look. <laughs> but um, and I kind of, I went home earlier. I, you know, woke up feeling a lot better. You know, I probably, you know, I realised when I was doing those tours, you know, in the past, I've always drunk a bit more. And this time I drove down because I would never have driven before because it wouldn't have been any point because I knew I would be drinking so I would always get an Uber or something. Mm-hmm. So I could it's kind of great when you can drive everywhere. So there was a real, there was definitely a benefit of zipping around and seeing heaps of friends. Um but yeah, I didn't you know, I I don't know. It's you know, there they're just those little moments occasionally where you just go that's what I would I could feel those moments where your hand almost automatically goes out when someone pours you a drink mm-hmm. and then you have to realise, oh, that's right, I don't drink. Because I keep forgetting I don't drink. Yes. Because uh-huh. I'm forgetting I did drink and now I'm yep. forget, I forget that it's a thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. How did it feel for you to say, no, I don't drink? Did you feel proud or do you feel embarrassed? Like how does that I love land saying I don't drink. It's really good. Do you love it? I love it. I feel so proud of myself. You go, I don't drink. No, thank you. And then they won't say anything and you have to to say it again. (laughs) Excuse me, I don't drink. And they'll go, yeah, whatever. Um, Yeah. I really, I really like it. I'm, I'm sort of, and I like all the things that it means, you know, the, you know, and the. The fact that other people, as soon as I say I don't drink, people are really, you know, it is that thing where they're super curious, particularly if they've known you to drink and they're like, wow. Um, And it definitely makes people question their own drinking straight away. It sure does. Straight away they're thinking about their own drinking, um, et cetera. So I took my girls out to a restaurant in Byron the other week, this Italian place. And I got there and the waiter came up and was like, would you like a drink? And I ordered mocktails for the girls mm. and I. And then he said, would you like me to leave the wine list? And I was like, oh, no, thanks. I don't drink. You can take that away. And I just felt like such a good mum. Oh, no. You <laughs> go like, with my how girls. good am I? And then we, didn't ha- we went on our phones, like put the phones away. And so we're all just talking and laughing. Oh. And I was looking at some other parents there drinking and their kids are on their phones. And I did feel a little bit superior, I must say. Yeah. And you're going like, look at <laughs> us actually having relationships. This is us having a relationship. Yes. Bonding, forming those meaningful bonds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is really nice. You know what I don't like is when you go to a restaurant and they – and you ask, and they don't have any decent alcoholic alternatives, like non-alcoholic alternatives. Like mm. they'll like have lemonade or Coca-Cola or water. Yeah, I make a big hoo-ha there at that no, point. Like, is that all? And when they don't have any, like, yeah, you're going like, well, 
great, thanks. Like that's that's a bit disappointing. That, yeah. that is because I think they can do so much better. That's why it's great to do the phone ahead, so you can say what alcoholic, non-alcoholic options do you have, mm. and if they don't have anything good, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, then you say, oh, why not? You know, or could you get something in, or is it okay if I bring something in? Because there's nothing worse than sitting there and you have to drink Fanta. I know. Ugh. I don't drink soft drink. So most most nice restaurants do, but I find um, we go out for Indian a lot, and they never they only ever have like soft drink yeah gross like get some heaps normal in guys yeah and i get i like heaps normal that's actually a really nice beer yeah it's really good it's ash's favorite recently uh, i think it was in a coaching session i had with someone that was saying how they felt really embarrassed to say that they didn't drink oh and i was like so we just flipped that you know on its head but i really do and this is truly since like maybe i, I don't know if i did at the start i can't remember but i really do feel this pride and i feel yeah yeah like I feel really good about it because culturally I think it's funny I don't feel embarrassed at all about it mm-hmm. I really I can't and what I get is this I get this feeling of um it is self-satisfaction and I just love coming home after an event where I would have been messy yeah and actually washing my face yeah and brushing my teeth yes. and actually taking off my dress mm. putting on a t-shirt reading a book um, and then going to sleep. Like I would have come home, stumbled up the stairs. I would have just kind of fallen on the bed, often in my dress or half undone. Always got my shoes off, but not always. Sometimes I go, oh, it's too hard. Um, Never would, like if I was like, if I was pissed, I'd never wash my makeup off. Um, Teeth, forget it. Um, And then... You know, which is, you know that feeling you wake up the next day and you're still dressed in what you wore the night before and your hair's oh, like you've still got your hair your all makeup, done and you've got yep. your makeup all coming off. That is just the lousiest feeling. Like, I know. Your teeth just, are furry. Oh, yeah, it feels like shitty. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm loving it. I'm loving, um, I, I, my favorite, one of my favorite times is actually lying in bed at night and reading or watching something or, just having that little moment, that really nice little moment before you go to sleep. Yeah. You know, where you kind of close your eyes and just think about, even when you just close your eyes, think about what happened in the day and what you might do tomorrow. And maybe I'm planning for tomorrow. But when you're drunk, you don't have any of that. Like you don't have that to- that inner voice. No. That does that. Yeah. And I think, I think that's not being scared of your own inner narrative is really mm. important, like your mm. own inner voice. Mm. And the thoughts that are in your head and how you feel about things and being really, I think, really cognizant of your feelings mm-hmm. and how they change in the day and and not being reactive to them mm. is actually, I think there's quite a process in in actually changing because it is behaviour change. Totally. What yeah. we're doing. And yeah. I think um, you can, and so when I think about, stopping drinking alcohol I think well I stopped drinking alcohol but more interestingly I engaged in a significant behavior change yeah and if you do that lots of other things are going to change because to maintain that I've had to change the way I relate to myself and Mm. the way the stories I tell myself and and the things that I do and how I cope in in public Mm. I realized the other day I'm um I'm really comfortable, like I walked into a big exhibition in Sydney at the Australian Galleries in Paddington the other day and 
you know, there's probably 200 of Sydney's wealthiest people there. And and I and I just had soda water. They didn't have very good alcohol at the gallery. One, if you had a gallery openings, shit choices. Really? Yeah. They're, not, they're always mm. just just water or soda water. It's all right mm. though. And I just found I could talk to people so easily. Mm. Like I went, wow, I'm actually really good at this. I'm actually good at holding my like. I I felt great at how confident I felt, mm. and realized how. I just didn't need alcohol mm. to relate to people or to mm. have a conversation and to drift around talking to people and look at the art. Like I really um, sort of enjoying doing things I didn't think I was comfortable doing. It's funny when you actually do step into that space and just have the awareness of mm. what's going on. But I've had a few things lately where I'm really just so aware of what's going on in my body and just really owning it in myself, not out loud really if I'm feeling uncomfortable, but just to note that and then just step into it anyway and just be open and chat. And I've had some like really great exchanges with people, you know, at, at various parties and things like that. And I'm usually a big one for saying no to parties because I just, oh, it's a, I just can't be bothered. Yeah. But I'm like, no, no, I'm going to go and, and just have a really, really great chats. And as soon as that kind of, fit, you know, dries out for me, then – I'm out of there, but it's so nice to just feel into what you're feeling and just be there and be present and, you know, you don't Being have... present, oh, that's, yeah. that sounds like a thing. Um, you don't have to give presents this Christmas. Just be present. Just be present. Actually, it is, you are present. And what's, what's nice is how much I remember. Yeah. You know, when you go to events and you're really looking forward to seeing someone or spending time... And then you go there, you so you're all dressed up, you're sort of talking, and then next minute you wake up. There's a dog's excited too. But next minute you wake up, you know that feeling, and you go, "Oh my god, the night I was really looking forward to happened," and I don't remember because I would have a blackout and I don't remember. I, I remember up to this point, and then my whole night was stolen. It was like someone had stolen my night. And the conversations I'd had, no matter how much I was enjoying them at the time, they're gone. Mm. So being able to have it, not having not having my memories taken and not having those moments just, just evaporate and suddenly disappear. Like even though I stay out for shorter times, it feels longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of are getting longer because you're you not losing longer. half the night. Yeah, because you're not missing from 8 o'clock um, mm. You know, when you were rampaging to like you're going like, oh, my God, I hope I fell asleep at nine. And they go, oh, no, you were still going at one. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a mm. long gap. Mm-hmm. How do people even like um, that? What's I get really frightened of those blackouts. Like, how do you not fall down the stairs and stuff like that? Like, how did, how do, how did we not walk in front of a car or fall face forward into the fire or something like that? Because, I mean, we must have been operating – I mean, did you have blackouts? Oh, massive ones. Ash and I were talking about it earlier because we are working on our book today and <clears throat> I was saying to him, I sort of hid this from him, but I mm. went through this stage of, and it used to scare me the next day if I could remember doing it, but I was, I'd take sleeping tablets. Like if I'd been, yeah. I remember I went to New York and I had a whole lot of sleeping tablets. So I came back and I would be wasted and then take sleeping tablets Oh, my on, God, that's dangerous. Yeah, and I don't know why because I never – I'd always just pass out. I don't know why I did it. I couldn't stop myself and I was doing it all the time. And I remember being really grateful when they'd run out 
but even things like that. And I used to think, why do I do that? And I'd even sometimes try and hide them from myself. But of course, I'd find them because I knew where I'd put them because <laughs> I'd been the one that hid them. And I didn't really want Ash to know. Yeah, you're going like, it's kind of a dirty secret. So even that would worry me. But then, of course, you've got the worry of, you know, what if I, you know, fell down or, you know, those sort of things. Oh. It's interesting. My friend who, my, one of my best friends who, you know, when she talks about her drinking, she just goes, I drank to that's what she drank for that feeling of being smashed mm. that's what she said i just wanted to be a, i just i would crave obliteration i i want i want to drink so much that i part that she goes that's the drinking she goes i don't want i don't want to be a social drinker i don't want to have two <laughs> she's i love she goes i don't want two drinks i want to drink so much i black out and vomit and i come back up and i do it again that's how i want to oh, drink oh that makes me sad yeah that's why she doesn't drink and how how she been able to obviously she was trying to escape something so I'm wondering how she's gone. Oh, she's done amazing. Um, hers has been a very long haul. Um, well, long. You know, she's you know she it's was significant, and I don't want to speak on. Let's get her on. You know, she'd be great actually. Um, she doesn't live around here. You'd have to get her on Zoom. Have to get her on the Zoom. Um, her drinking was at. She she made she makes us look like amateurs, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like she was she was next level. Like she was. Mm -hmm. If there's a level, she was at the top level. She she was she was she had a PhD in um, and she was a secret drinker. And you know, I took a long time before I realised when I because we were friendship where she was on the phone and I'd speak to her on the phone a lot, and I didn't realise that she she'd. I th- you know, but she would ring me six times and I went, I think she's really drunk. But you couldn't she, tell she was drunk though when you were talking to her? Sometimes you can't. Mm. No, because she would, she would sort of be a bit slurry, but I couldn't really tell whether she, she was pretty good at masking it until, you know. Now at times when she was really smashed, she just wouldn't call me because she was too drunk to call me. And she, um, you know, she just, she was amazing. Like it was, I did an intervention with her. I, I fronted up and went, you know, helped get her into her first um, rehab. And, of course, didn't last. You know, it's great to do an intervention. Have you ever done an intervention with someone? No, and I wouldn't because I, I think the person has to come at the yeah. thing on their own. You have to, but I thought she was going to die. Sure. Like she, was, she was at the point where I would never have done it except I went, this is, and I was really frightened at, about where she, like, and she was going, she would have died. Like there was no way yeah. she was she wasn't so and she just says like this she goes I only went to she goes I only went to rehab to prove you wrong <laughs> and then then she left and started drinking again and the next time she went to rehab she went of her own volition and that's and that was you know, the one yeah that was the time yeah, she, she's had a few um slip ups but gone back to um being sober and being um, she's very articulate about it. But you know what? For me, like that's her story. I'd love you to have her on and I'll put you in contact to have a chat with her. She's, um, you know, she's done a lot of work on herself to, to navigate that space. But what happens mm. for me, like when you've got a best friend or a really close friend who's that bad, like mm. her level of drinking was PhD level, mm. it made me look like my drinking looked harmless. Yeah. Like 
I look, I could say to myself, well, I'm okay because mm. I'm not as bad as her. Like um, she's terrible and she's like, that's an alcoholic. But it's- I'm not an alcoholic because I don't drink like that. And, and you know, we often surround ourselves with people who are worse than us to make ourselves feel less um, less bad. And I'm for anyone around me, it's quite funny. I'm sure there's people I was that person. Also, and now I'm not drinking and they must feel like real alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But also there's that element too of when we're around our group of, of abnormal drinking buddies. Yeah. And then we also point out, because I know I've done this to a couple of people, I think. It's like gaslighting. It's like drunken, it's like drinking gaslighting or something. And I've got another friend who used to do it to me a lot too, where you'd go, you were so drunk. Like, oh, yeah. and putting it on them. And to sort of take that sort of light off you and then, you know, they might say, well, fucking so will you. But I think that's a, that's a thing as well. But definitely comparing yourself to other people. But Lyndall was that for me. Lyndall, who you met, who did yeah. the show with us. She, um, I remember being terrified as well once when she'd relapsed and she was so bad. It was so bad. I was so scared that she was going to die and I'm, you know, calling people. Can someone help her? Like... It was just full on and I'll never forget it and she'll be happy. She, we've talked about this on the podcast anyway, but when she, she just went so hard and her body hadn't had a drink for some time, but her ankle, I've never seen anything like it. Like her legs blew up. It was like wow. her, her, her liver was shutting down. I was terrified. I thought, oh my God, she's going to die. Like she's drinking that much that quickly that they blew up and, um, I totally get that. That feeling. Well, yeah, that's how my friend would drink. Like she yeah. would just drink, you know, she was drinking eight to ten liters of wine a day, and probably at the time, you know, at her worst, about eight to ten Valium. Oof. With that, Ooh. like that Ooh, was darling. it was full on, and the same thing. She, you know, she she got to the point where she had, you know, her body just started shutting down. Yeah, it would do. You know, and yeah. it was like, oh my god, it's and you, it's hard to understand compulsion. And I guess, I guess like, you know, we, we're discovering lots of things are on a spectrum now, you know, gender, um, you know, people's, you know, personality types or whether or mm. not they have, you know, autism. And in a sense, I think drinking is a spectrum as well. Like you might, it, you know, it's not like one or the other. You can have problem drinking, which can, and it can keep, but you can keep moving up the spectrum. What I do notice, though, is if within alcohol, you don't tend to go back. No. Like you don't, you tend to just progress up. Yeah. <laughs> you graduate. You, you graduate. I have met some people that probably were big drinkers that only have a couple now. Mm. But I'm not, it's funny, someone said, would you want to have a couple of drinks here? And, and I went, no, I'm not interested. Like I'm mm. absolutely if I went, if I could have one or two drinks and not, well, why would I? Like, yeah. For me, I'm a bit like my friend. Like, I don't want to drink to that point where I'm like her. Yeah. Like, but I'm, I'm a bit further down the spectrum and I go, well, I'm not going to get pissed. Like, if I can't drink five and have four cigarettes and be, you know, do that, well, why would I bother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, definitely, um, so I'm kind of like I'm, I much prefer not drinking. Not mm. drinking to me is easier than having one or two. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's just easy just to take that whole thing out yeah. of the equation then you don't have all that kind of... Like putting a line on the bottle. I never did that, but I've got friends that do that. You can see them, they've surreptitiously marked the bottle. <laughs> but like, I, can't, I won't go past that. Wow. <laughs> Fuck that. It's just too exhausting. It's, it's really exhausting. So tell me when you were drinking, when you were binge mm. drinking and having these blackouts, it's almost like... Because you've got this big personality and you're a comedian, it's almost like it, it's like you could sort of get away with being really outrageous yeah. and, and loud. And I'm not a doctor. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like I'm fronting up to surgery the next day. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, it was, it was um, you know, it was always, you know, I get away with, you know, get away with a lot of behaviour because of what I do. Yes, yeah, so it like guess, comes along with this persona. Yeah, and you're not accountable. Um, and it does make you that bigger, bolder, more outrageous, in-your-face um, person mm-hmm. to be around. And, you know, I definitely, you know, I think what I – being a performer gives you permission um, to be a bit like that. But I've noticed more and more, even now, working with all the young comics, people don't drink very much. Mm. It's the older crew. It's us older people that we really – we put it away. Mm. Like and it's like you're going like and it's just I'm like so relieved, so much time was spent thinking about drinking and how I'm not going to drink and why I shouldn't why how how I'll be okay tonight and maybe I'll and worrying and going oh. when I started getting that anxious feeling when I was looking forward to going somewhere but have anxiety about it at the same time that I I didn't trust my not trusting yourself mm. like really relate. feeling deeply mistrustful of what happens to me and who I become when I drink, that I mm. yeah, horrible. And I don't, I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not beating people up or, you know, I'm just having a laugh and, you know, probably talking too much. So tell me, so this is, this was where I was sort of leading to, along with that persona, it's like this expected sort of way of being and it's, it's fair enough if you're sort of loud and out there because that's who you are and that's the job that you do. So did you ever wake up feeling ashamed like say if I if I sort of took over and was being really loud at a party I'd sort of feel oh god how embarrassing would you have that same level of embarrassment and shame it sort of sounds like you did oh totally I, mm. I would wake up going oh that that's three o'clock in the morning excruciating where you'd wake up and you go oh I'm home good <laughs> that's terrible mm. and what's where's my bag Oh, there, there. Where's my phone by the bed? Great. I must have been okay because I've got my things where they put them. Yes. Oh, God. That's so shitty. Yeah. And then I'm like, I have a little bit of memory of something. I go, oh, that's okay. Then I'm like, fuck, who was I talking to? I can't remember. Like, And then I start to feel sick. Like the, when you have blackouts, you don't, can't remember who you've spoken to, what you've said. Mm. And, and, and have you been inappropriate? Have you, mm. have you been boring? Boring. Like he's such a bore, you know, that's, and then feel really embarrassed, like just going, I'm never going outside again. Um, I had this lady on the podcast a few weeks ago. Her name was Adele. She actually drove up from the central coast. I think it was central coast to come to our show. Yeah. And she got in contact after the show and she was a big blackout drinker. She went to a friend's wedding and then ended up hooking up with a guy who was way, she's married hooking up with this guy. She went to the after party at the wedding and just hooked up with this young guy 
Oh, no, the yeah. poor woman. Woke up the next day and then was sort of went through it in her mind. She's like, no, I remember dancing with him. No, no, all good, all good. No, I think I was fine. Text a few people just because she was a bit unsure. And then the bride saw her the next day and said, oh, we got to talk. And oh. he'd already told like half the surf community. Oh, or no. And she's like, what? Because she'd sort of thought, oh, I must have been all right because she'd sort of checked, you know, and that yeah, feeling yeah, of like. Yeah, you check in on oh. you go like, am I, did I? Mm. Oh, that'd be bad. Yeah, it was or, like. It was a big story and um, obviously... Yeah, that's really... And all those kind of shameful things around your own sexuality and am mm-hmm. I okay and, mm. oh, my God, it's just awful. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm really glad being able to trust myself mm. and, and know that I can talk to people and have a nice time and I don't mind if they drink. I'm not comfortable around people who are problem drinkers and, wow, can you tell? Yeah. It's really amazing. Like once you stop drinking, I can and and I I can see the problem drinkers in the room as soon as I can see how they manage their alcohol. Even after one drink, yeah, you go the way they talk about it, the way they you go oh, and it's funny, isn't it? And you kind of go oh, you know, I don't enjoy being around people that drink too much. No, like when they're when they've when they've tipped over. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with my current challenge group about changing our um, changing our self concept mm. and having really having to let a bit of that self concept go so that we can sort of become this person that we want to become. And so for you, that that kind of big persona, the be the funny person, entertain everyone that's a big that's a big kind of label to carry. And so are you? Now that you're kind of stepping into this way of being sober and it sounds as though you're a lot more settled in your own body, how does that feel to not show up and be that person? Does that sit well with you? And yeah, because what advice it, would you give around that to people? that? Are- um, it's funny because <laughs> I'm generally um, quite different to my stage persona. Like I'm a much quieter, mm. more um, introspective person than how I appear on stage and I, but I'm comfortable, I'm confident that I'm comfortable with that. Like I, I love time on my, by myself. I'm, mm. I, I can sit in a restaurant and eat a meal without a telephone and just sit there very comfortably. It's great. I, I can, I can do things on my own like that. Like I'm quite, I can, I, I can talk to strangers. Mm. I can, and I feel very, um, would you say I feel very lucky mm. that I can do those sorts of things because for some people that's they can't mm. and that's what alcohol has done for them. So whilst I'm often people have perceived me to be a way that I'm not anyway. Yeah. So I'm, you know, and I think, you know, when I drink and when I've drunk and I've been outrageous, um, you know, that's definitely part of my personality as well. Mm. Uh, but you know it's nice to be able to access that wilder part of myself very naturally mm. to find the kind of kooky part of me which is really silly that likes a laugh um and it, it's so much more it's for me it's more about finding that part of the more elevated part of myself without alcohol mm. and I know because I'm a comedian I can do it on stage when I'm performing like I can find it and I'm straight and I knew I knew it was there. So it's for me, I was kind of lucky that my performing had given me the tools to know that I could still find myself, you know, that I wasn't mm. 
that I was all these things. I wasn't one thing, you know, and mm. no one is. I'm I'm quiet and tender and kind and, and paranoid and full of shame, but I'm also loving mm. and wild and reckless and shameless. I'm all of those things. Oh, that's so beautifully yeah. said. Mm. Yeah, and you know how we are all on that? We are all those things and there's not one right or wrong way of, of being and – and and I love making people feel good. That's something, you know, I've always <laughs> – there was one drunk time where I actually really <laughs> – I went on this um, – it's probably I, – I, mean, I was pissed the whole time, but I was – I didn't have any blackouts. I went on – because the alcohol so watered down on those, those three-day cruises. And I went on this three-day cruise um, with – it was the girls I went to school with in this really Queensland country town – we were all turning 50 and so about five of them decided, why don't we go on a cruise together? And I went, oh, my God, I couldn't think of anything worse. But, <laughs> And I went, well, I've been asked to do shows on cruises and I went, maybe I'll just go on and then I'll see if I can handle it because I get seasick and can I handle just, you know, I'll go socially so I don't have to work and I'll go with my friends. And then, you know, the booze is so cheap and we went line dancing, we did – and it was so, it was like being Kath and Kim, like, and I, I'd have some, and I was just kind of drunk and really playful. And I'd do things like, there was a giant 80s disco. I don't know if you've been on these ships. They're massive. They're massive alcohol drinking party places, but I got really drunk and I was going, watch this. And so I would dance, like a bit of river dancing. And then I went, I'm going to roll across the dance floor. Watch this. <laughs> so I was sort of rolling around the room. Like people, like it was so funny, but people got the joke. And then there's this, so I kept everywhere I went on the ship. I wasn't, I was just a normal person. And I went, um, this, this one guy's having his birthday. I think he's like 18 and the parents are singing. And then I just come out, not asked. I don't know these people. And then I do this really hysterical dance, like I'm the stripper, but I don't take anything off. But there's people I don't know. And the family went nuts. Like they went, that's the funniest thing we've ever seen. And that family now come to all my shows. <laughs> <laughs> they go, I saw Mandy on a cruise. And someone goes, as a comic. No, she was on there <laughs> just as a general public. But she was really funny. And then I found out she was a comedian. That was probably, I actually think that time was the funnest time as an adult, I'd had drunk and drinking. I don't know why, because it was one thing. I was just stupid, and and I went. If I ever look back and I go, I had other times I had nice, but that's one thing. I I had such a nice time with these old friends of mine that, you know, and we laughed the whole time. It was really nice, and I went. I've had the best that I could have of drinking and the worst. Mm. It's kind of nice remembering that and going. That was actually really fun. Mm. I don't need to be drunk to do that. I probably wouldn't roll across a dance floor. I reckon you probably would. But I might because, see, I'm capable. I, I would. So there's things I will do like that just for a – I'll do a lot of things just for a laugh. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny and I look back and I go, you know, I had some of the best times of my life when I've been pissed mm-hmm. in the past, mm. but I think they're getting less and less. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think they're – like we're getting a lot less. Like when we talk about alcohol – you know, very often I'm really aware when I focus on all the negative stuff that there was heaps of times I had at a brilliant time and I've laughed heaps and heaps mm. and 
you know, had some beautiful dinners or just had these really lovely moments or, you know, great sex or, but that's finished, you know, and a lot of that I won't ever get back again. And that's why now I feel like this is new. This is, this is a whole other cycle that I'm on now, which is finding all those lovely places, but doing it sober and actually, you know, going, because I won't get the drunk stuff again. And an old messy drunk is really ugly. Totally. I really don't want to be that. I think any messy drunk is, but I think, you know, still being able to access those beautiful times, like there will be times that you, you may even find it even richer where you're out for dinner and you have this amazing exchange with whoever you're with or you're able to roll across a dance floor, you know, you may still access that. <laughs> I may that. be able to do that. And you create new memories which are yeah. just as good because for sure, like we can, you know, we don't want to completely demonise the time we've had in the past with alcohol, but it is important to not to romanticise it either yeah, because exactly. that can get, but to realise, like you say, they were getting less and less. Well, it was going down. I mean, the difference is, I mean, I think of alcohol. I mean, I don't think anyone would come home with that, with those witches hats, those orange road signs, those road markers, unless you were drunk. <laughs> I think it shows how low your IQ ju- drops. You go, oh, how funny is this? I'm going to take the witches hats. Yeah, yeah. Like it's totally. never funny. You never turn up at someone's house and go, oh my god. I went over to Danny's house. She had witches hats. How wild is she? Like you're going, if if you've got witches hats in the house, I go either you work on the roads, or you got fucking smashed and yes. you took them off a road, and someone's probably had an accident today <laughs> because, because, there because there was no fucking witches hats there. Like yeah, mm-hmm. it is. You know, I am. I feel really lucky. Actually, I feel really. I feel good. I sort of feel like it's. I mean, I am really aware with drinking how how. It's it's like that. You know, yeah. And last time I gave up drinking, after about three years, I remember the first time I drank again and I lost control, it was such a – and I felt really – the shame was much bigger mm. because I went, fuck, I blew it. Yeah, such a fucked you know. up feeling. And really, would you have done it without alcohol? Yeah, no. No. Yeah. And then I, I mean, on my husband's 50th and Ivy was just a little baby then. She was, my husband's 62. So when he was 50, so she would have been one, under one actually. And I, I was breastfeeding, <laughs> breastfeeding, drinking mum. And I got so drunk. I had to be walked home. People had to hang around that I didn't drop the baby. Oh, That's just awful. Like that's mm. horrible. And then. I put so much effort into his party and making it really special and everyone being there. And I'd spent weeks working on it and I pretty well had no memory of it at all. Mm, and then I had to face every, the next day we had a naming ceremony for our daughter and all those people that saw me shit faced all my friends and family had to see me back it up the next day, chronically hung over pretending I wasn't hung over. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I look at those photos of myself and go, ooh. And that pretending you're not hungover is... Yeah, it's really horrible. Absolutely. So talking about accessing those parts of yourself that are still readily available, I just have to say that at the Messages in the Bottle show that we did last month, you were so fucking funny. And I thought, how is someone 
so fun, so sober and so funny. And yeah. all that stuff wasn't rehearsed stuff. You weren't scripting. You were just like jamming up there. It was the fucking funniest thing. I did actually wet my pants a little bit. Oh, that's bit. good. A little bit of wet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I love getting into that playful part where I don't think too much about what I'm going to say. I take all my filters off basically and that's really fun. But you got to trust yourself to do that. Like I know, like sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say. Like I don't, I, and it'll come out and I went, that was actually quite funny. Or, you know, but it is fun because that's that's play, you know. And I think, you know, that's really something <laughs> that, you know, if you are, if you have stopped drinking and you are looking for ways to just to loosen up, um, you know, maybe it's worth, I've never done, I've never done um you know, you know, improvisation, etc. But I think there's a lot to be said for theatre sports and things like comedy or, or trying something that pushes you out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like do something that gives you a bit of a, a thrill. But, but I think finding your ability to play mm-hmm. and be silly and how, how can you be silly without alcohol? Like at some point mm. I think – and what, what a lot of people drink for is to is to let go of the control that they spend so much time um, investing in mm. to keep the story going to the world that they're in control and they're in charge. Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting. And often when you do it, you can't stop. And then it's – and the, the absolute liberation of being able to play and be silly. And you'll have a friend that you can do it with. There's always someone that brings that part of you out. And mm. I'm often that – I'm that person for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, which I love, you know, mm. which I really – which I really – and I and I know I can do it. I can do it sober, which imagine if I couldn't. Like I, I can find – I can access that part of myself sober. Um, thank God because it would be sad if I couldn't. But I think finding that in yourself is really important. Like what – you know whether, and I think things like improvisation or, 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 or just you know I don't know like something, dancing or or yeah. um, pushing yourself where you, where you feel a bit stupid like doing something, you know a little bit of truth or dare, you know spin the bottle go for a nude swim go for a nude run, streaking <laughs> sober, you know and I think that's that's a therapy. Mandy Nolan told you to do it not yeah. Mandy. <laughs> Like run through Woolies. You <laughs> mullin with oh just your boots and you on. Totally love, and I think being aware. You know, I'm hyper aware one of my surroundings and everything I see. So I feel sometimes in we go through life so caught up is that we don't see what's right around us and totally. what, where we are, and mm. sometimes the funniest moments um are right in front of you and if you see them it's an absolute gift because mm. you just have you just go oh my god that's a crack up mm. you know um they're they're the things there like i was in mullum yesterday i've got to find the photo and i was walking um i saw that on your instagram yeah and i was just walking to the supermarket <laughs> and then i come across like it's just sitting there in front of the for me on the empty chair outside the pub no less <laughs> with this and it was like it had been abandoned and they'd gone in to drink and it said stop thinking start living but there was no one there it was just this abandoned book and I went that made me laugh and then right near it there was like 
this lovely installation of a bottle of Woodstock bourbon with cola, two empty paper cups and two empty bottles of um, Coopers, but on on a, on a, on of those kind of electricity boxes, like someone had had a little party. <laughs> and then the next electricity box down the road was just an empty bottle of um, I mean, empty bottle of almond cacao butter. <laughs> So mullum. <laughs> and honestly, I I couldn't stop after I looked at that. I was like one of those things where I was just laughing so much just looking at that going, so mullum. Yeah. It looked like a hippie trap. <laughs> like some so, like uh, cacao thing, like you're going and it like got him. Um <laughs> But yeah, I yeah. think I think being able to be silly is really important. It's so good just to laugh and you know, just finding that joy and like you say, pushing your boundaries. I did a theatre course couple of years ago and I was talking to Michelle McDonald today one of my grads who was also in yeah. our show and she's just done a, a singing lesson with Kelly Bruhaha who's been on this podcast she's an amazing singer and she's she does amazing singing lessons um good little plug plug for Kelly there also by the way Great. if anyone's wanting to push their boundaries and learn some singing but yeah she said it was just so fantastic you know it's great just to it's hard like to go like especially for people with singing I feel like it's so we protect our voices. We don't want people to hear our voice, but it's such a beautiful resource to tap into and let loose and have fun with it. And yeah, totally. Not give a fuck about how it sounds. Doesn't and matter. I mean, no. I'm a terrible singer, but I'll, I sing on stage when I do my show with Anya. I'm like going, I really don't care. Like I'm not pretending I've got a great voice, but I can happily sing. Like I can do a lot of things like that. Um, Where, I mean, I guess I'm, it's funny, I still get shame from drinking when I drink about what I've done, which is weird because it doesn't match the fact that deep down there's a huge part of me that I really don't care what people think of me. Mm. Um, it, it, and I, and I'm, I don't care that I'm an idiot. I'm really immature. Um, and I say really, I swear in public, um, you know, and I was at the Tom Ford counter and, and buying friends some lipstick um, for Christmas, and I, I read this one of the one of the perfumes called "Fucking Fabulous." I went, "Oh my god, I love that! Fucking fabulous!" And she goes, "One lady, it's this really posh lady goes, well, you swear, you swear very naturally." And I went, "I know, I'm a bit of a cunt." <laughs> and this <laughs> this moment. Yeah. It went really quiet and then they both started like, you know, you know how posh David Jones is? Yeah, yeah. Like and these women were like this the assistant who's just a normal person but pretends not to be and the woman who's buying, you know, perfume that costs 500 bucks a bottle, like, mm-hmm. you know, sorry, I can't afford it. But it was really interesting and then they kind of ruptured a little bit. So they had like, a laugh. Yeah, because you yeah. never, when you say, that just comes out of my mouth and I went, oh, she shouldn't say that probably because some people can't handle it and some people can't. But, you know, I get away with a lot. 98% of the time I get away with being a bit playful. And it is, it is, um, you know, it's it's so good for your mental health too, I think. Yeah, it's so fun just to play and just see what you can get away with and have a laugh and yeah. not, you know, hold things with lightness I think yeah. is really important. it's really good. Absolutely. So going back to the show or just letting people know as well, if you want to see Mandy in action fucking hilarious you can go to youtube and you just type in how alcohol messages from the bottle show what do you think of the show mandy it was oh i loved it yeah it was so it good was, to have you involved it was really good to 
to listen to the other presenters because I didn't know what they're going to talk about and I didn't know what the scope of their experience was going to be. So I think I think it's really brave when people bear, you know, such deep stories of mm. of of who they are and why why they've made the choices that they've made. I think that I think it's really great and I actually think what's powerful is that you know, they're it's lived experience and, mm. you know, no one was um, telling anyone else what to do. They were just sharing their own lived experience. And in the audience, it's really up to you to listen and reflect about what that means for you. Mm. That's why hearing someone's story is a real gift, I think, because, you know, you're not being told what to do. You can arrive there. Mm. And I thought they were really passionate gentle you know brave stories mm. and you know um and also really insightful and and you know fierce you know and you know we are pushing up in a world where as adults in western culture everything we do is defined by alcohol and you you're quite radical when you don't drink because mm. it's truly disruptive you know it's it's quite a political act. I don't think it's just a personal act. I think it's a political act, not drinking. You're saying no to an oppressive system mm. uh, that relies on people being sedated, mm. that re- that relies on you not realising, you know, how unhappy you are or what's not working in your life. Um, so I think as a political act, I think you're not buying in, you mm. know, and you things will change and you know, you're much harder to control, I think, socially through those kind of, you know, the medication of alcohol. So true. It's like your own little act of rebellion or anarchy. Yeah, it is. And you're just going like, I don't need to. Um, And, you know, and, you know, maybe it's funny going into pubs. Like I, I went to a pub the other night to do a show and I still love a good pub. Like I still love, I'll have a one of my, I call my fake beers. I'll have the fake beer and some chips or something. Hmm. Um, I particularly like a pub that has no pokies in it because <laughs> they're always a bit nicer. Yes. I find the combination of alcohol and gambling, I've never gambled in my life. And I, um, I was just listening to something the other day. It was talking about how apparently... And alcohol and gambling is very much hand in hand for a lot of people. But mm. apparently they're seeing in Gamblers Anonymous, they're seeing young men like in like an, you know, epidemic proportions coming because of the online apps um, mm. and the and all the online gambling that happens. Like, mm. And even I've had, I've never gambled. And I get texts from Bet Deluxe, Sportsbet, got a special offer. Like how... How can that even be okay mm. to do to people? You know, the fact there's like 20-year-old guys turning up who've, who feel like they want to kill themselves because mm. it's lots of suicidality involved with things like gambling, you know, because it's fed into that, you know, that addictive part. You know, once you're hooked like that, there is no going back. There mm. is no halfway there. And I think alcohol is very much, alcohol is a, you know, a pathway drug for Things like gambling. I think gambling's a really sinister. I think anything um, part of it. Yeah, anything like that is just a distraction from ourselves, and so really, yeah. and it's 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 a catalyst to yeah. disconnect with ourselves. And so when we can take that away and learn to reconnect with ourselves yeah. and sit back 
and feel what we're feeling, uh, it's it's a big task because we're not used to it, but yeah. it's it's how we heal. Well, it is. I'd love to put you in touch with her. I met this young guy around here and he is um, he runs a an online he runs like a Facebook support group. It's called Kick in the Punt. And he was a massive gambler and he gave up and he's fallen off the gambling wagon, whatever you call it, a few times. And he's just like a tradie that has become really outspoken. A young man, probably he's probably only 30, if that. Yeah. And he's just so passionate about it and, you know, and he's really honest and articulate and he's absolutely been – I was he's just quite a local guy, but he goes out. He has people call him at 2 and 3 in the morning and he's not a therapist. Mm-hmm. He's he's just a really – he's someone with lived experience who has been really vocal about his, mm. about his battle and it's the same sort of things around alcohol. It's around shame. Mm. It's around all those – all those deep feelings of, of what addiction is, what addiction and compulsion and that, can do to you. Yeah, and just that how it serves as a distraction. I was just interviewing um, one of the facilitators from my Compassionate Inquiry course I did last year with Gabor Mate and he, this facilitator, Luke Snooski, his name is, he's just written a book, and but his addiction was porn. And funny, Gabor Mate's addiction was classical music. Wow. But so, you know... Both of them noticing too when the when there's some kind of disruption or some kind of discomfort, wanting to distract themselves. So going to this thing, and it's the same with us with alcohol, perhaps, or gambling, mm. or whatever it is that gives you this dopamine hit. But we're kind of searching for this distraction from ourselves. We don't know how to sit with those feelings, and it's um, I think. And one one thing Luke was saying, it's not so much. Even the thing that's the problem, these the perceived addiction that's the problem, it's what's driving that oh, yeah. underneath that. I have noticed I'm more um I've I've reignited my love affair with chocolate. <laughs> right. Have yeah. you? No. Not no. really. No. I do have the odd bit of chocolate. Ash did though. Ash one hundred. Yeah, and I'm did. sort of going, oh, I'm not like eating heaps and heaps of it every day, but I hadn't eaten chocolate for years. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, that chocolate looks good. Have you noticed if anything's coming up for you before you crave the chocolate or if there's anything happening or maybe even tuning into the body? Here I go I coaching. To, I have to make a point of that. I Usually I'm mm. at the shops mm. and there's chocolate in front of me and mm. I have to be able to respond to a compulsion. I go, I can have this. It's okay. Yeah. And I think it's more like being able to say yes to it, to mm. a compulsion. Because I'm mm. saying no to other ones. Yeah, and sometimes you've just got to go, okay. I've also stopped yeah. smoking as well. Like I, I did, amazing. you know, I was a social, so yeah. I, I wasn't like, I wasn't like, you know, I'm not like a serious smoker. So, but as soon as I haven't had a cigarette for five and a half months and every time I had a drink, I would have, not every time, but more often than not, would have liked to have snuck off and had a cigarette. Mm. So I might have two or three a day and if I went out, I'd have ten. Yeah, so that's another thing you have to contend with. So you've got to just weigh things up and go, ugh. You know, oh, yeah, eat no, the fucking gross. chocolate. Eat you the know. chocolate. Eat the fucking chocolate. I know. So tell me, you know, obviously we're rounding off 2022 and heading into 23. How's that going to look for you? Obviously more sobriety. What have you got on? Have you got, are you doing any of those comedy courses that you do? Which? Yes. I've got a speaker's class that I'm running in Kingscliff in the hinterland in a little farmhouse. Oh, do you? Yeah. I think it's the, it's in, it'll be on my website, Authentic You Masterclass. That's what I did with you in Sydney, yes. Yeah. It was we're, awesome. We're doing that one. And that I think it's 
25th, 26th. It's a Saturday, Sunday of February. That could be 26th, 27th. I can't remember. Which... Is that with George? <laughs> yeah. So we'll do that one. And then. Can I just jump in? Yeah. I, for people listening, I so highly recommend that course. It was it was so awesome. But all this stuff, like the, the exercises we did in it, and it was really, it was like peeling layers off yourself. It was like a little self-help weekend. It is very self-helpy. I loved it. Yeah, well, that's great because it, it feels like that, you know, when we, you know, we've sort of worked for a couple of years kind of really trying to finesse mm. what gets in the way for people and, and, and how to sort of strip off some of the barriers that mm. sit between you and, and presenting who you are and, and what you want to talk about. So, yeah, I love doing the... I love the inquiry into who you are and, and, mm. and finding ways in. Oh, I loved it. Oh, that's yeah, so exciting. That's so I've got mm-hmm. another one in, it'll be, there'll be one in, I think, June in Sydney about the 10th, 11th, whatever the Saturday, Sunday, something. But you can go to our website. I'm not really great on the exact dates. Mm-hmm. Storytelling is what we're passionate about as well mm. and getting people's personal narratives. And, you know, obviously mm. you can see, you know, your story has changed you know, Mm -hmm. so many people's lives because they've been able to see themselves Mm. in it and it's given them a space to think about what their story is and how the thing about a story is you can change it. Totally. You know, and that's the big thing with stopping drinking is Mm. that you can change it. You can change that about yourself and you can, and when you have that behaviour change, it's it's a domino effect where other things start to change in your life. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's really great. And that's what I'm hoping for 23. I'll be... Um, you performing much? Heaps. Melbourne Comedy Festival. I've got Ooh. a month there doing my solo show. Adelaide Fringe Festival. I've got about a week there. I've got about 10 days in Perth and Western Australia on tour sometime in, in there. I've got a lot of performing. I've got an exhibition. I've got 14 pieces in an art exhibition on the wow. 3rd of March. So a clever I'm, girl. I'm painting at the moment. I've got um, – I'm doing some booking and some work for the Byron Comedy Festival. So I work with two women where I do some mentoring for them and do some do, do that sort of part of it. I'm – I do have I got I got a lot on my plate, and I'm I'm, I'm working in the political kind of space as well. Yeah, where I've put myself up for pre-selection for the Greens for the federal candidate again, and I'm hoping, you know, if as long as I go through that process and I get selected, I'll be sort of out, kind of campaigning in the community again, um, a bit earlier because I just feel like there's so many issues that need know that that I want to speak to and and address so you know if that happens then I'll be I'll be doing that as well oh god <laughs> there's a lot to do well wow, and staying sober so and staying sober like to do it all being sober really helps getting everything done it helps mm. with your to-do list absolutely so the other thing I'd recommend too is people signing up for, to do your comedy course I think it's, yeah that's fun you know like I know some people who have done it the thought of it terrifies me, so it makes me think I should probably yeah. do it. But um, I think fantastic. So you've got so many things on offer. And Thank I, you. Yeah, yeah just... look, you can always go, you can always drop me an email. At, I think it's mandy at mandynolan.com.au. Um, my website's mandynolan.com.au. I, I've been hacked though, so I'm really, got very badly hacked by some weird algorithm. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of re-jigging that. But if you Google me, you'll find me. Yeah, or on Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I've got about fifty Facebook pages. I've got I've got stuff everywhere. Like I've got 
There's like a Facebook page for that. You know how you have heaps of, I must have, I think I've got six Facebook pages and oh. about three, I've got four Instagrams, two Twitters. Um, it's kind of like for all my different personas of what I do, like it's, and I keep forgetting to check the messages and then Maybe like, don't send her a message oh, on Facebook. I think there's some app you can have that brings it all in together. Yeah. But what I'll do is I'll put notes in the show notes for anyone who wants yeah. to contact you yeah, or I, just I to do check out get what you're doing. Onto, I do get to my messages on Facebook though. Fantastic. Well, I, the family and I will come, we'll be at your show next week in Melbourne Bar. But um, other than that, people can just jump on your website and see where you're at and go and buy her a kombucha perhaps. Woohoo! That would be lovely. <laughs> so Mandy Nolan, we will see you in another three months for another yeah, check-in. For Part a check-in. of your journey. You'll be up to around eight months then at that point. I reckon I will. Woohoo! Amazing. Yay. Congratulations on the journey so far. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mandy Nolan, see you later. Thanks, Annie. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.